What's up, everybody? I want to give you guys a quick little update here on TV Toycast. This week we are doing an episode, a special episode on starting lineups, as you probably have read, with our good friends Jeff and Scott from the Fully Posable Wrestling Figure Podcast. Um, we knew we, if we ever covered starting lineups, we wanted them to be a part of it uh, with summer hitting, Travis going on vacation, me going on vacation at different times. We knew trying to get together to record this would be a little bit more on the difficult side. So we were kind of banking this for, um, for down the road when, when we were both on vacation and, uh, but it was best to drop it this week. Um, so yes, we will get to Austin powers at some point. Uh, but at right, but right now we're going to go and drop this starting lineup episode for this week. So I hope you guys enjoy. Uh, it's going to be kind of a long episode focusing mostly just on our main event, but I think that's a nice change of pace and uh, it was really good because this is such a long and integral part of collecting for many people from the eighties and nineties. It was really cool to, to dive into it. And with these uh, returning in the future, uh, I think it was, it was good timing. So uh, we'll not waste any more time here. Let's kick it over to the episode on starting lineups on the TV toy cast. <clears throat> Welcome to the TV toy cast where Travis and Brian talk all things, toys from the past, the present and the future. Ugh. That's all we need, another podcast where a bunch of nerds talk about toys. Enjoy the show! <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, it is time once again for the TB Toy Cast. My name is Brian, and joining me as always on this adventure down the toy aisle is my good friend Travis. Travis, are you ready to talk some toys? I am. But hold on, we have a sponsor. Today's sponsor is Red Bull. I know it's normally bang, but we're we're hardlining a Red Bull right now. It's been a with with starting lineups. We've had little league games last night. And today, we're going to power through this today. So we need we need our Red Bull. We need our uh, big league chew. Our shredded beef jerky, <laughs> all the good Absolutely. stuff. Absolutely, but we need something else, Travis. I don't think me and you are fully equipped to do this by ourselves. We need a couple of of guests to help us talk some starting lineups. So we've invited from the Fully Posable Wrestling Figure Podcast, uh, the Toon Brothers, Jeff and Scott. Guys, thanks for being here on the TV Toycast. Our pleasure, Thank man. Thank you, Breaker. And I, you know, what is wrestling figure guys doing over on a starting lineup podcast? Yeah, you get you, you don't know any more than I do, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> We're taking off our comfy pants. <laughs> well, you know, I think what's what's interesting about um, toy collecting in general is that yeah, we all are wrestling figure fans. I don't think that's a secret, but it, it to me, it's been very interesting over the last couple of years to see you know Scott, your love for GI Joe. And then, you know, I'll also when I listen to Fully Posable, Jeff, I hear you talk about the Simpsons Playmates figures, which we did a, a podcast on that a few months back. And then you'll yep. talk about Mask. And we all have these other toy lines that we enjoy. And in all seriousness, that's kind of how me and Travis started doing this show. We would talk wrestling, but then he'd also bring up maybe a Marvel Legends or Masters of the Universe or, you know, or G.I. Joe. And it's like, oh, well, we all have kind of the same interests. So I think it's really cool that... Um, even though we're all wrestling figure fans, we all appreciate toys for what they are. hundred percent. And if you look at a lot of people's collection, it just isn't one thing. I think most people always venture out. 
you know, it's always, you know, the Marvel Legends guys are still going to pick up DC guys unless they're strictly Marvel. Mm-hmm. You know, but they're on top of their collection, maybe Star Wars Black Series or He-Man or whatever it may be. It's never just one collection. People have multiple across the board. Oh, for sure. And Jeff, I can actually say with the starting lineup line, around 88 when they first came out, we were hardcore collecting wrestling figures, but our other toy collections had kind of faded off a little bit. Like, Breaker, you mentioned G.I. Joe, mm-hmm. He-Man, Mask, Transformers. Those all kind of went by the wayside. But when starting lineup came along, you and I were hardcore into baseball cards. And so we kind of got this. And obviously, you know, we were big into collecting action figures. Well, now we got this little package that had a figure and a baseball card combining two of our biggest loves at the time. And it really turned into a kind of a two-headed monster with us. It was wrestling figures and starting lineups. And, man, when these things came out in 88, we went crazy for them. You know, it's interesting you say that because I've always felt like any time a toy includes a little bonus, it feels like it's a bigger deal than it is. And, you know, we've seen AEW do this recently where they include the little mini pack of, of trading cards with some of the figures. Right. I'm like, that's such a cool little bonus. Uh, LJNs had the poster. And to me, I think that's a that's a cool thing to include with your figures is that little bit of a a little bonus, a little add on to what you're already buying. Baseball cards were huge. That was one of my besides wrestling figures. That was one of my first things to collect, just because get, you can get a pack of cards pretty cheap, right? And that was always just so much fun to collect back then. Yeah, well, and in even, hindsight, that crossover with baseball cards and action figures. It was brilliant. Absolutely. I mean, it made sense, right? You've got a baseball card with a baseball figure, an NFL card with an NFL figure. But, yeah, sports cards in 88 were just gigantic. Like, you'd buy one. You didn't know how much it was going to be worth in 10, 20, 30 years. You know, and now you're going to get this card with a figure, and those things could escalate in value. And, man, what a brilliant – in hindsight, of course, brilliant move back in 88 to launch these. The thing that scared me was, as we became mental card collectors – is if they threw a coin in there, you have to find one that didn't have the coin stolen out mm-hmm. or right. the card. Yeah. And that's what concerns me about AEW figures. You know, when I do go to the store and I, you know, I do see an AEW figure, I'm going to be concerned that somebody stole the pack of cards out of the back. Mm. So the the accessory always made me nervous. So when we found a complete one of a guy that we were looking for that we could throw up on the wall or put up on a display somewhere. Then we were feeling a lot better, but that always still concerned me with somebody who was going to steal something or the accessory out of it. It's, it's, it's funny you talk about the coin because, like, I don't know if a lot of people remember, but late 80s and early 90s, like, there were shopping shows and, like, commemorative plates and commemorative, like, people bought commemorative plates with a painting and a gold rim thinking that it was going to be worth thousands of dollars. <laughs> and you were right. Like, you get this coin and you're like, Oh my gosh! Like <laughs> this is going to be worth a million dollars because that's my college no fund for my kids. <laughs> but it, it's true though. That was the that like who's going to buy all? Look, we've got a three pack of Star Wars gold trimmed commemorative plates, or uh, <laughs> you know NASCAR, Star Trek. Like they, it, it was just Beanie babies. Yeah, yes. oh, yeah. <laughs> it was just the thing, and you know Jeff is so right. Like people would steal the coins just to steal the coins because this is worth the coins worth more than the figure yeah well you know what was great about collecting for jeff and i as kids is our mom really got into it as well 
if she wasn't as into baseball cards and figurines as we were, and Travis, it's funny that you mentioned the plates with the gold rims and the paintings. <laughs> oh, my gosh. My mom has at least two cupboards in the garage filled with those things, thinking one day she was going to buy a Lamborghini with the money she got from the sales of them. I don't know. But she got heavily into baseball cards as much as we did, if not more, to the point where in 1988 she bought an entire case of Don Russ wax packs boxes. Oh, wow. I think there were, what, like 36 wow. boxes of Don Russ? Yeah. Our local comic book slash baseball card store, Haley's Comics in Hayward, California, she went in and she's like, how much to buy an entire case of baseball cards? And she bought them. She would take us to the Mother's Cookies baseball card day at the Coliseum, starting lineup day at the Coliseum, which I think was in 89, 90, and 91. But right. she was full on into these things. So it really worked in our favor that – Hey, Mom, you want to go to the baseball court store? Yeah, let's go. Let's go check let's out, see what go. they've got. It was awesome. She was as much of a part of it as we were. And Mom is a huge Disney collector as well. Mm -hmm. So she has that collecting bug in her. Oh, big our, time, yes. And our dad kind of does. He collects guns because he's an avid uh -huh. duck hunter. But Mom had that collecting bug in her like, Okay, the kids need baseball cards. We got to go get them baseball cards. By the way, Scott, those Donruses are all in my garage right now, and it's worth about twenty-seven bucks. Anyways, big money. Yeah, exactly. We we didn't get the Ferrari and get to live in Hawaii like Magnum PI style, like Mom thought we were gonna. But anyways, oh, no. you can almost yeah, buy an elite figure for that now. <laughs> or one Marvel Legend. Yeah. yeah. Well, well played, Breaker. Well played. <laughs> Uh, it's it's pretty wild. You know, uh, one thing I was going to bring up, too, uh, you brought Marvel Legends. Um, back in, like, 2002, Toy Biz did Marvel Legends, which we've covered in the past. And one of the cool mm -hmm. things about that is the original line included a comic book. And that's kind yes. of what got me into those. Do you think, with this including a baseball card, that that got maybe card collectors who weren't toy collectors to possibly buy the, the, the action figure? Absolutely. A hundred percent. Yeah, for sure. It was that crossover appeal where you got the toy collectors and the card collectors. It was brilliant, really, to include that one tiny accessory in there of a card. Mm -hmm. It really created that crossover to where you were hitting the toy and baseball card market. And a lot of the times, too, depending on the release schedule and preseason, a lot of the times the, the starting lineup with the card would come out before the – newest year of tops or donras so like, great point you would get the air quotes and it's an audio podcast but i'm using air quotes <laughs> rookie card and yes. rookie figure before tops donras upper deck or score or fleer whoever Sports put Flicks. out their their first official card so you had those diehards that had to have it so hey if i can go get a rookie card and a rookie figure that's one of the things that, that I think started the popularity and started steamrolling this. Good point, Travis. I never even really considered that, but you're 100% right. No, that, that is a good point. Um, to kind of change gears a bit, Travis, you kind of told me you had a brief history of, of kind of the beginning of starting lineup. So we'll kind, of, we'll kind of kick it over to you with that, and then we'll kind of you know filter in after that. Yeah. So uh, I – I like – well, I love starting lineups, and I, I'm glad that we're finally doing this. So um, starting lineups was uh, started by Kenner. Uh, so I'm a, I'm a local homeboy. Kenner is uh, in Cincinnati, you know, an hour south of me. So we had these literally everywhere, which is great because um, Kenner just would 
basically just go drop them off everywhere. But the idea of this started back in 1986, and Bill Stein was, uh, he was one of the producers, or he, he was somebody important at Kenner, and he went to go buy a condo from a, uh, a Bengals punter uh, who was retiring. So he was leaving uh, leaving the city. Uh, his name was Pat McAnally. Uh, and I, I've asked, so I'm pretty sure that's how we say it. But Bruce Stein and Pat, you know, they reached their deal on their condo. And uh, once Bruce brought up that he was a toy guy, he, he they started talking toys. Because who doesn't, you know, after doing a, you know, real estate investment and, <laughs> uh, you know, buying a condo, look at your realtor and go, hey, you buy action figures? I think, you know, <laughs> I think we all do that. <laughs> and uh, so, I mean, they did. It got brought up and they were talking back and forth. And uh, Pat started talking to him and said, hey, man, like, I've got a question for you. Um my wife and I, you know, we have a couple young kids. We go shopping, and we go down the toy aisle and the action figure aisle, and we see all of these imaginary heroes, He-Man, G.I. Joe, like all these imaginary heroes. Like, where where are all the real heroes at? Like Walter Payton and Marcus Allen, they're playing football every weekend. Like, why can't kids have action figures of real-life heroes? And then, as we know it, the the rest is history. And Pat McAnally retired from the Bengals, immediately got signed on by Kenner, and they started working on the starting lineup action figures. And the first line was 1988 in baseball. And a real quick fact about that, there was originally supposed to be 132 figures. Yes, a 132 figure action figure line. But that's slightly bigger than Hasbro series one. <laughs> <laughs> but due to trades, injuries, retirements, only 124 baseball were actually released. Still, Real quick, a monumental. If I can jump in, why uh, why baseball? Why not another sport initially? Do you know? Was there a reason for that? I think baseball was the first season coming up, and like Jeff and Scott said, baseball was huge in the late eighties. One hundred percent. You had the Bash Brothers. Oakland was tearing yep. it up. Uh, Jose Canseco, Barry Bonds, uh, to a lesser degree, the Pete Rose gambling scandal. Like, it was just big in the late 80s, and I think they were just – it was the first one, and they, they kind of lucked out. Like I, there was really no answer, but of the three – well, of baseball, basketball, football, and even hockey, that was the biggest uh, – I, I think most popular. If I, I mean, I could be wrong, but that's – my guess, Jeff Scott, would you agree that baseball was like the thing in the late 80s? It, yeah, I would definitely say baseball was number one. Then you probably had NBA and NFL. I don't even know who would have been two and three, but it was, yeah, by far and away, MLB was way, way more popular. 
so somebody's going to have to fact check me on this, but I had heard that there was some contractual uh, dispute between NFL and NFLPA or something like that, and that's why baseball came out first. So oh, if somebody, okay. So I, I am not 100% sure I need to be fact checked on that, but that was what I, I had heard, and that's why baseball came out with 124 action figures. <laughs> I just figured if by kicking off in 88, baseball came first in terms of seasons. NFL and uh, NBA wouldn't be until like August, October, somewhere in there. So I just figured it made sense to bring baseball out first. I don't know if that's what happened or not. But it was way more popular anyway, so it made total yeah. sense. I think fact check, all three of us are 100% correct, and we are amazing. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have someone tweet you. Well, actually, you know. <laughs> so... I'm going. I, I wanted to bring this up because um, I want. I want to ask Jeff and Scott and Breaker too, if you remember. Uh, you were a youngin though, but um, do you guys remember the first time you saw starting lineups? Because the first time that I saw them was winter. Now I don't know if it was like December, January. It, I was seven, so it. I, I don't. It was cold and snowy. I went to the Dayton Mall and KB Toys had this humongous, like, front display, that front left wall, then, like, a display coming, facing out of just, I mean, I'm not even, when I say hundreds, it was probably thousands, a thousand figures just, and they were there at the mall, and I just remember going, what is this? And seeing (laughs) Jose Canseco, Mark McGuire, Will Clark, Pete Rose, Buddy Bell, like anybody <laughs> wow. like, in Cincinnati, like he was, he was loved. But it's like Dave Parker, like it was just Cal Ripken Jr., Nolan Ryan in an Astros uniform, nonetheless. But like, yeah. I just remember thinking, this is amazing. Like, I, I, now I can have these little guys. Uh, yeah, I can have little action figures with their their cards, and you know. Being seven and seeing a giant display, and like I said, I'm not even kidding. It, it probably was a thousand figures because, you know, having 124 figures in the line, like it, they were just everywhere around here. Scott, can I jump in real quick? Yeah, go ahead. So my first memory of these was 1988, and it was Christmas, and Mom got us these huge. Santa bags, and she still uses them to this day. They're all crusty and like gross and stuff. Yeah, they're like a red canvas. But yeah, huge. it's like a red. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, um, mom filled this thing up to the brim, and she hands it over to us, and I'm like, "Holy crap!" You know, because usually the bag was about three quarters of the way full or half full. You know, this was depending on inflation and Santa rules. Exactly. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> So mom hands the canvas bag over to Scott and I, and I reach in and I grab starting lineup right off the top. And I can't remember who the first person I grabbed. I want to say it was Wade Boggs because I think it, in my head I'm remembering a Boston Red Sox. And I'm like, uh, uh, what is this? And so Scott reaches in, and Scott, I remember you pulling out a Conseco, if I'm mm-hmm. not mistaken. So then – we're just divvying these up, you know, like that picture of, you know, kids tearing into packages, you know, throwing them all over the place on Christmas morning. That was Scott and I with the starting lineups that year. 
Opening them, by the way. Yeah, yeah, let's not talk about that part. Anyway. <laughs> well, you had to play the all-star game. Of, of course you're going to open them. I know. Yes. I, I, exactly. and, and fun fact, that's the only year we opened our starting lineups was the very first year because after that, it became one of those things like, okay, these are going to be collectible one day. We got a card. We got a figure. We've got to keep these things in the package. Well, we did open the basketball ones. Uh, yes, 88, the calendar year 88 of starting lineup, NFL, NBA, MLB, that's the only year that we opened yeah. all of them. And then yes. starting in 89, everything was kept in the package. Yeah, so that is our first, uh, Scott, yours may be different, but that was my first memory of starting lineups was getting them on Christmas morning and having that red canvas bag that is disgusting to this day uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, right there in front of me filled with starting lineups. Yeah, no, that was awesome. I totally do remember that. Mom just stuffed that thing full. Um, one of the things about starting lineups that drove me nuts was the region release, right? Because yes. as a kid collecting baseball cards, just baseball cards, you'd at least want to get all of your favorite player from all the sports cards brands, but then you wanted to get team sets. And then it turned into, okay, what if I can get the entire set, for example, this entire FLIR 87 set? Right, I'll get every player. I'll start collecting them. I'll get on the checklist and start checking the boxes. Well, when you got your first baseball starting lineup figure and you turned the package over, you saw how many were in this thing. And then you'd go to the store, which one of my first memories is Hayward Toys R Us. They had an entire end cap, much like what you saw at KB, Travis, top to bottom, like six feet wide, four feet wide, whatever it was, just filled to the brim. Hundreds, like you said at KB, hundreds of baseball starting lineups. The issue was... We had all of the Oakland players. We had all of the San Francisco players. But then, like, I'm kind of a Mets fan. I'm kind of a Yankees fan. Like, I'd like to get some of those other players. Like, I knew who Howard Johnson was, right? He was right. on the Mets. I knew who Willie Randolph was on the Yankees. I wanted that. I wanted all of the Mets. I wanted all of the Yankees. I was even a little bit into the Red Sox back then. I wanted a Dwight Evans. But the problem okay. was you couldn't find some of the lesser-known players in your area. And so I'm kind of rifling through, like, okay, I'm, I'm pulling off, you know, Will Clark or Mark McGuire or Walt Weiss. I'm throwing him in the cart. But where's Howard Johnson? I can't find him. I wanted Dwight Evans. I can't find him. That was one of the things that drove me nuts is I couldn't build team sets, much less an entire set, by living in San Leandro, California. It was near impossible. There was no internet to go shopping back then, so I couldn't even go to, like, eBay you just had to hope that your local Toys R Us or KB Toys, whatever it might be, got those figures in, and they never really did. Damn it, where's my Dale Murphy? Yes. <laughs> oh, they made Dale Murphy. We had plenty oh, of Dale yeah. Murphy in our area. Oh, I know, and, I know. <laughs> and you hit the nail on the head because, like, with the exception, I think, like, the Expos and maybe the Mariners because Griffey wasn't there yet. But, like, yes. they had one, but some of these other, like, Obviously, the Reds, because Kenner and Cincinnati had like seven. We almost had our whole literally starting lineup. But everything was territorial, like you said, because of how many figures there were. So you would get essentially the top one or two from every team, right. maybe. So like right. you were saying, like I know you had Oakland, but I only remember seeing McGuire, Canseco, and Ricky Henderson – it for Oakland. Um, right. When it came to the, the Giants, it was Will Clark. That's it. Like, maybe Kevin Mitchell. 
every once in a while. But, yeah, but you weren't getting Candy Maldonado. <laughs> exactly. Like, yes. And I need – I know you weren't getting Buddy Bell in California. No, absolutely no. not. <laughs> but you know what was cool is we actually – we'd go on vacation to Southern California every year. And it was usually we'd start off at Knott's Berry Farm. And we'd stay at a hotel over in that area for a couple of days. And then we'd transition over to Anaheim. We'd go to Disneyland. And we'd stay there for like four days. Every once in a while, we would throw Universal Studios into the mix. So we would go L.A. for Knott's Berry and Universal and then over to Anaheim. So the vacation was a little bit longer. On one of the trips where that whole thing was a little bit longer, we had to go to the mall for something. And this was in 88. So we go to the mall, and they had this little sports shop in there. And out of the blue, I walk in, and I'm just kind of looking, and they've got hats and jerseys, whatever. They had this big basket sitting there, and it was filled with Angels and Dodgers starting lineups that I had never seen before. The problem was, and we had talked earlier, these things were $3.99 at Toys R Us starting off. Mm -hmm. This little shop, being that it was a hole in the wall in the mall, 8 to $10 per figure. <laughs> Which at that so time, I'm trying, I, well, that's well, a like, huge increase, you know. Oh, gigantic. And, you know, from my mom's standpoint, she's used to spending $4 a figure, and she goes in here, it's almost three times more. But I'm like, Mom, I really need this Bobby Witt Angels figure. And she's like, absolutely not. We don't even like the Angels. No way. You're not getting that figure. But I had seen figures in that basket that I hadn't seen, and I thought that that was amazing. Because, again, no internet. You don't. You, all you see is a name on the back of the package. You don't get to see what the figure looks like. But here they are right in front of me. I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is amazing. It was that surprise factor of walking into the store that you don't really get anymore. But back in 1988, it was great. It was. And another thing about this initial series of baseball that I, that I vividly remember, and it kind of goes hand in hand with uh, Star Wars and Hasbro and, and wrestling figures, but um, the Penny's catalog had where you could order – two players almost from every team. There was a handful you couldn't, but it, essentially the same thing, the top two players. And when you ordered them, they came in the the baggies instead of on cards. So you got your oh. baseball card and your figure, and they were in the little Kenner bags, like I said, like the, the Macho Man and the Hulk Hogan that came with the ring that people like and the Star Wars stuff. And um, in first grade... Um, I remember getting, you know, for every A that I got on my report card, I was allowed to get two, uh, two packs of starting lineups. And that was like the greatest thing all year because like it made me want to get good grades and except my conduct, like conduct was a C and, but we, you know, <laughs> that doesn't go towards your GPA. So, <laughs> but I vividly remember getting more through the bags, the little the little plastic bags, then on card, because when you ordered them, they just showed up, you know, a week or two later, and opening a box and seeing, like, 20 starting lineups with their card in a little, I don't know if it's a mailer bag or, a, like, a, just a sealed plastic bag, but those were always really interesting as well, that they had a, a different distribution for catalog sales. I've never even seen those before. That's like, really cool. I don't know if it was an Ohio thing because, like I said, because Kenner's so close and the warehouse. I, I I don't know, but like it was just it's ingrained in my head. Like because as a kid, when it's you know, like, oh my gosh, I'm going to open this box and there's going to be ten 
starting lineup figures and you open it up and they're all in a plastic bag. Mm. Like, <laughs> womp, womp. <laughs> <laughs> and Travis, that I mean, thing I, I wanted to ask you was being so close to Kenner as you were, did you see those dish? I mean, from a marketing standpoint, it makes sense, right? Kenner wants to send the most popular players to their home market. So you're going to be able to, like, for example, for Jeff and I, of course, we're going to find all the A's and all the Giants, but it's going to be scarce on other players. We'll get all the big names, but that's about it. I was wondering if you lived closer to Kenner's home base, if that that distribution wasn't such an issue and you had more access to more players. It wasn't until... I would say the big boom in the early 90s before I started seeing like distribution problems even around not problems but less and less because these were everywhere Toys R Us KB we had a department store called Ben Franklin which was mostly a craft store they mm-hmm. had I remember that place huge display and that's where i found my pete rose like that's my favorite starting lineup of all time but like who would have thought finding a pete rose mom went to go get fabric to make a blanket and i walk out with a pete rose <laughs> starting lineup like mom and she's like well of course like mom thinks i get to go to a fabric store or a craft store and we're not going to find toys wrong found uh-huh. pete rose um but yeah it really wasn't until i say 91 92 like right when all of this stuff just blew up, when they started doing the conventions, when like when they stopped having 124 and kind of narrowed it down to two or three people per team, and then they would yeah. have like do you guys remember the the extended editions, which was almost like tops traded like halfway yes. through the year. Yep. They would yep. if somebody got traded, they would put them in. Like I remember the big one around here was obviously Griffey in his Reds uniform when he came from the Mariners. And he was in, in the extended edition. But that's my first remembering, like, going to the store and not being able to see everybody that was on the back of the card was, was early 90s. Okay, got it. So you had more access to more players being closer to Kenner then? Yes. I mean, that's I, awesome. I'm, I'm fairly certain. Now, I can't, granted, I'm... 41 and seven-year-old Travis is, you know, in the distant past. But I'm fairly certain I had over 100, like 100, 105, 88 baseball that I was able to <laughs> Oh, man. So, That's crazy. And I'm pretty sure the reason I didn't get the other ones is just because I don't like this guy or blah, blah, blah. Like, you know what I mean? But I I've had – because they, they, I had access to – a bunch and same thing like with the Browns and the Bengals and the 49ers like and and Dallas Cowboys because they had started coming up like they were just literally guys everywhere like everybody would get at least two cases of whatever and just throw them on the pegs um the only ones that I don't remember ever seeing uh, and these are like a thousand dollars a piece now and they're famous but the uh, Utah Jazz first year starting lineup figures because those were only in Utah and like Carl Malone and Stockton and there are I think two or three other ones and all of those first year Utah Jazz figures are like on card like close to a thousand dollars a piece because they oh, were wow in Utah. 
Oh, no, that's I, insane. One thing I did want to bring up is from 1988 is I want to go over the poses. Um, the poses were just, they only had what, maybe about six different poses. Oh, they here's that. Yeah. Yeah. For, uh, let's just start with baseball. Then we'll move over to basketball if we can. But like Cal Ripken was in the backhand or, uh, they had the generic holding the bat kind of standing there in a generic pose. Like yes, Mattingly. The Will, Mattingly. The Will Smith or Will Smith. Whoops. Will Clark. <laughs> Don't make me slap you. <laughs> Travis needs to be slapped. That, that, that pop breaker. Um, but, <laughs> Keep my starting lineups out here. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the generic poses, it was so generic, but it was so great for us young kids. Like, we're like, oh my God, we're getting Cal Ripken. We're getting Ken Oberfeld. We're getting Tom Hur, you know? Like, <laughs> But it was so cool just seeing those, even just generic poses. One thing I loved about those is, even though they were stationary and they would stay in one spot, one thing I did want to bring up is one of my buddies would always come over, and he lived right around the corner from us, still friends to this day. We would actually play a game where we would put different players, we'd have like an all-star game, as Travis mentioned earlier, but we'd have an all-star game where we would pick a team, and we would put each guy like, okay, so Will Clark will go at first. Um, Steve Sachs will go at second. I forget who at short. Anyways, but what we would do is we would roll dice to see like what that player's uh, at bat would be. So like Candy Maldonado is up. If he rolled a three, he got a triple. If he rolled a two, he got a double. You know, stuff like that. And it was fun kind of coming up with innovative games like that. We tried cards, but that didn't work, so we had to move over to dice. But That's it was awesome. Fun. Oh, dude, it was so much fun. And we tried with football, but it didn't work out as well. So, anyways, it was just fun because there's so many memories around these figures. You know, like you guys have been talking about going back to the stores and uh, mom, you know, pulling out those huge bags. It's just there's so many fun memories. And this is just 1988. Right. Like, so I want to move on a little bit. We're talking about the golden days and everything is awesome. Like, I'm going to say, do you guys remember when it started going into the dark days and ev like everybody wanted starting lineups? They didn't have seven per team. Like, you know, mm -hmm. you've got the Joe Montana and his Chiefs jersey. You've mm -hmm. got yep, 95. Uh, the Dream Team box set. Yes. Yep, yep. Like, the Shaq you know, rookie figure. Shaq, the different haired, like. Oh. Oh, the Rodmans, uh, yeah. Rodman, yeah. Like, And then even sometimes, like, uh, home and away jerseys or warm-ups. Like, warm-up jerseys, yeah. Do you, do you guys remember when that happened and they became more of, instead of readily available, even though, you know, we saw a lot of the same stuff, but when the scalpers and everybody yes. started yep. getting into this stuff. All the sports card shops were getting into them, and they were grabbing them at your local Toys R Us, KB Toys, taking them to their store and charging, you know, 25 to 125 per figure. And then it made it impossible to find anything. And, Travis, you, you're absolutely right, dude. Talk about dark days, right? Because we started in 88, these things we talked about, super plentiful on the pegs, to fast forward to, like, mid-90s to late-90s. They were impossible to find. You'd go in, all you'd want is like a run of the mill, like a Conseco, gone. But you'd go to your local start or your local uh, sports card shop at the mall. Oh, there's the Conseco, and they want forty five dollars for them. 
That was super mm-hmm. frustrating. It became super competitive in the toy aisles to the point where we actually used to go starting light-up hunting. It was wrestling figures and starting lineups all the time. We'd jump in my little Mitsubishi Mighty Max truck, drive all <laughs> over the place. We'd hit like four cities, and we'd hit every Walmart and Target and Toys R Us locally. And we hit a Toys R Us. They had a box of starting lineups, basketball, sitting in the aisle on the floor. They had a case. Opened. Figures were missing. We asked the lady if they had any more. She said, no, in fact, we're not breaking out any more of these for a while because this box right here, two guys got into a fight over the Shaquille O'Neal figure. Mm. And I'm like, wow, and that's what it's devolved into. In fact, I almost got into a fight with a guy at a Toys R Us in Dublin. He knew where the Joe Montana was, but I had the case in front of me. He tried reaching over the top of me. And I'm like, dude, what are you doing? Like, get away. Like, I'm, I'm over the case and I'm grabbing the Montana and he's trying to snatch him. It was, it just got way too competitive and it really took that fun factor out of toy hunts. And that's where I kind of soured on it a little bit. So Travis, you call it dark days. You nailed it. I, I remember that as well because this was the first time other than a flea market where I remember seeing scalped figures because there was yes. never really like, scalped figures at all like you know every once in a while when you go to the flea market they'd be a couple dollars more because they got it before you did but you hit the nail on the head like you'd go to your local card shop or card and comic shop and they've got all the hard ones up there and you're like wait a minute why do i like i don't want to spend 25 bucks for mark mcguire and sammy sosa and yeah like all that and then what's funny is you brought up another good point they packed all of their cases the same and yes. the scalpers knew exactly where to grab the figure. And yep. it's unreal that like people would put that much thought, effort and detail into doing this to where they could go in, grab the case. All right. Montana's third from the back, wherever grab it and go yep. like without even looking. And that's how, that's how this was. And, you know, we talk about scalpers today, but it was, absolutely crazy um i remember the very first starting lineup convention in the uh, down in cincinnati uh i think it was at the expo center or at the cincinnati guard i don't remember exactly where but it was the first official um starting lineups convention held by kenner and they had their they had a their exclusive convention figure and that was the first time i'd ever seen a convention exclusive, but you saw these guys, these dealers and scalpers going around and it's like panhandlers. And that's like the, Hey, give you 10 bucks for your figure. Give you 10 yep. bucks. No man. Like I'm 12. I want my figure. Leave us alone. Like, cause I, we've gone to baseball card conventions all the time. So I, like you guys, I collected baseball cards from, you know, early, I was born in 81. So mid eighties, late eighties, like we'd been to, tons of baseball card shows and my dad was uh, I, I say fairly a professional at doing baseball card shows it really wasn't hard but like these guys are coming up to kids and flashing them a 10 flashing them a 20 like yep. hey like you, you want to give me that give me that exclusive and like no man like just i mean i get why they were doing it, it you don't know unless you ask but it was yeah in in the toy biz i say business but collecting toys that was also one of the first times where you know, hey, what are you going to do with that? It, it just was, I've learned a lot from starting lineup <laughs> in toy collecting. Well, For sure. And then just to kind of touch on how popular starting lineups were, 
they got their own convention. And the, the first one was, what, like 94, 95? So they were yeah. only maybe, what, six years old at that point? Yeah. And they got their own convention. I think those conventions went until, what, 97, 98? Wow. Give or Something take. like that? Yeah. Yeah. So that was incredible that this line got so big that they spawned their own conventions in multiple cities, and it was hosted by the company that was that was producing them. I thought that that was incredible. The first one we went to, I believe, was in 96 in Santa Clara, and the convention exclusive was a Cal Ripken. Yep. And I remember thinking when we got that figure, it was like, oh, man, here's my retirement. Eh, little bit <laughs> I know. <laughs> I actually have a couple stories I want to share with you guys, and then I'm going to pose a question to you. The first one is... Um, you were kind of talking earlier about kind of how you first saw them. Being that I'm a, a few years younger than you guys, the first time I ever saw starting lineups was actually at my cousin's house. He had about five or six of them displayed on his like uh, his desk in his room, and I was like, "Oh, cool! You have baseball toys." And he's like, "These aren't toys; they're collectibles." <laughs> and I'm thinking, like, "Yeah, but they're toys, you know." And I just, I thought they were cool, and you know, like obviously they're not like quote unquote action figures because there's no real posability to them but i just thought they looked really cool and uh never bought any oddly enough but i always i always thought they were fun but this is a a story i think will pop all of you guys this is uh from a couple of years ago i was on a vacation in uh, branson missouri which you guys are probably not super familiar with it's kind of a big touristy area a lot of uh you know a lot of different places like shows and you know theme parks and things like that well we were at this um arcade that was connected to this show that we were doing and you know of course in an arcade typically you get tickets to cash in for really crappy stuff right and uh slinkies and (laughs) silly putty and stuff that you wouldn't really spend that much money on but that's what it was well this arcade oddly enough in the ticket booth had tons of carded starting lineups that you could get what yeah and that's like that was to me like Whoa, like that's really cool. And so I was kind of looking like, I wonder if I could just like outright buy some of these, you know, um, it was, definitely would have been an impulse buy, but they said they didn't do that, which I'm like, it's a really weird business. I'm trying to hand you money, but, you're saying no. <laughs> but I just thought that was, that was interesting. And, and you, you guys were kind of talking almost on the downfall, downfall, excuse me, of starting lineups. If they're having conventions and they're as popular as they are. Why is there a downfall in this line? Well, honestly, I would blame McFarlane for that. Yeah. Because as Travis mentioned earlier, with like flea markets, you wouldn't really see like super scalped figures. The first time I remember seeing it, in addition to Travis mentioning the starting lineups, was with Spawn figures. His first few series of his Spawn line had all these different variants and topless and pantyless figures, and it got really weird. But they all had different dollar amounts tied to them based on which flea market or which card shop you went to that happened to have that figure. And then it became – I think that's when collector hysteria really kicked off because then eBay started to become a thing, right? And then you could go like just search the open market for these things and prices started going up everywhere. And you started to see how good some of these figures were that McFarlane was putting out. And then you start to look at the starting lineups and – you know, the sculpting doesn't really hold up, and, wow, they're not really articulated too much, and they're kind of plain-looking. And then when McFarlane came out with the sports figures in 2000, even though he didn't have the the Major League license, the figures were absolutely incredible. It's what you'd expect McFarlane to put out. You know, even back in 2000, he was doing incredible work. 
So you put a Barry Bonds 2000 McFarland figure next to a 2000 San Francisco Giants Barry Bonds starting lineup figure, well, there's no comparison. And I think ultimately just – and then as Travis mentioned with the dark days, you know, it got super competitive. I think that that kind of pushed a lot of the, the longtime collectors out of the market just because it became too difficult to get the figures. I really think all of that really led to the downfall of the starting lineup line. So yeah, there would be fights and, like, I mean, Scott was in one, but, like, it was the first time that, <laughs> almost. like, almost, yes, close. Um, it was it was the first time that I can recall, other than, like, the Christmas Cabbage Patch stuff where you hear, but, yes. like, yes. like <laughs> there was a craze for these things, and people were getting in fights over an action figure. Yeah. And that's just, and so then the news starts covering it. And so it was, they were getting harder to get, they were getting scalped and it just, it took the fun away. But then also people were legitimately getting hurt. Uh, you know, I don't know if they went to the, the ends of like beanie babies, like, you know, following the trucks and marking the box, but like, like Scott said, they knew exactly where a certain figure was in a case. Like, you couldn't casually collect these. You were going Correct. to get, like, the the casual casualty w- was gone. You had to almost make it your job. All right, well, if Toys R Us opens at 9, I'm going to get there at 8.30 because there were lines outside for starting lineup, Spawn, and even That's Star right. Wars at the time because Star Wars yeah. had made a big thing. Power and, of the Force, right. Yep. And then, all right, well, if Toys R Us opens at 9, the mall opens at 10, I'm going to hit Toys R Us and, the, or, and then try to make it over to the mall to KB and beat everybody because Scalper, A, B, and C, or baseball card store. And it just, the combination of everything, and it was so new. No, I mean, it wasn't, you know, like we're dealing with today and, you know, 20 years some odd later of, of dealing with scalpers. This was all new at the time. Yeah. One thing I remember is how hard it was for... Because Scott wanted to collect all of the first series of 1993 hockey. Because that was the first year he did hockey, right? Or Kenner did hockey. Yeah. Scott had to go to the ends of the earth just to complete that set. And you ended up having to go through Castro Village Toy Shop, right? Uh, Well, yeah, kind of. So I was able to kind of piece together through different toy shows or whatever the entire 93 set except for Grant Fuhrer. And I ended up talking to the guy that owned Village Toy Shop, and he goes, I know somebody that has that figure. He's going to want some money for it, but if you really want it, he can get it for you. I think it ended up costing me like 65 or $70 for this Grant Fear figure. But, it, yeah, those were the extents that you went to even back then in like 1993 to try to get these figures. And then, you know, as time went on, it just became so competitive, and it, it just really took that love, of way, love away. You couldn't just walk into Toys R Us and be like, oh, cool, there's a figure. Right on. I'm going to walk away with this. It just it wasn't that simple. You literally had to just like barrel your way through to get anything, and it just it took that love away. Well, that's like uh, Nathan, our buddy Nathan. He's a diehard Atlanta Braves fan, and the one figure he wanted so bad was Javier Lopez, the former catcher for the Braves. He wanted this figure so bad, but he could never find it because, as we had all mentioned earlier, all these local toy shops were going in and grabbing all these figures and it made it nearly impossible to find so nathan ended up having to pay i think it was close to 60 70 bucks like scott did for the grand fear 
Yeah. Uh, just for this Javi Lopez figure, which is probably now worth like $3, you know? Yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> it's like the original then, price. Supply and demand, you know? Right. Do you, do you guys remember the whole Michael Jordan debacle when he did not sign with the NBA players and starting lineup had to stop making Michael Jordan starting lineups and then he came out with his own, like, action figures a year or two later and that's right all of his starting lineups just shot through the roof because gosh i forget who he signed with but he had his own and his figures were way more detailed than starting lineups scott like you were saying like, yes there was his same north scale lineup better yeah, detail. same yeah. scale he had north carolina home mm-hmm. and away reds or red red bulls jersey white black like and the Jordan fans went over to this Jordan line and lost a lot. And Kenner lost a lot because they weren't, because he didn't sign. I think it's a player association. Well, that contract. Yes. And so he was able just to go make his own figures. Yep. And so then that dropped the, the basketball line. And then all of a sudden, well, I've got to get, you know, these last Jordan figure. And that was just another one. Like I've got in his last starting lineup was horrible. I think like he was passing in a warm up suit. Like it was just like a bad starting lineup, but all of a sudden that's just worth hundreds of dollars because, well, we can't make any more Michael Jordan starting lineups. Yeah, exactly. The most popular athlete in the world and starting lineup can't make them. Hmm. It's kind of crazy how that happens, but if I'm not mistaken around that time, they did, the NBA Jam games, like the original, and he's not in it. And I remember thinking, like, why wouldn't they have Michael Jordan in this basketball game? You know, like, how weird is yeah. that? But, you know, I'm sure it's a similar type of contract. And he was the most popular athlete in the world, so I guess he can kind of call his own shots to a degree. Well, yeah, Barry, exactly. Barry Bonds, same thing with Barry Bonds in Ken Griffey Jr. Baseball for mm-hmm. the Super NES. Like, it killed us that we couldn't uh, play as Bonds as for the Giants. But, you know, that's, it, like you said, it's those contracts that they just didn't go along with. Yeah, you had, like, first base 24 or whatever position that he played. Number 24, <laughs> first base. You're like, wait a minute. Yes, <laughs> overall's 99. Who could that be? Right. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I remember 92, 93 is when the scalpers really started to hit uh, starting lineups. And then it kind of... I remember even there being a starting lineup shop out here in Hayward. Yes, that's right. The lineup oh, exchange. Wow. The lineup exchange. That's right. Yeah, my sister in law used to work there. Yeah, exactly. And it went from Whoa. what, 90, 95 to 97 or something like that? Oh, maybe 90. a little bit longer than that. Yeah, I think it was around until like 98, 99. Um, I remember going there a lot uh, before I even knew who my sister in law was. Um, <laughs> I'd go in there and shop all the time. I had won one of their contests. I think it was Steve Carlton. Uh, convention exclusives because they'd always do like four different ones per city or something. And they gave me a set of the, the convention exclusives that year. But that was another one is that you knew those guys and you'd go to, like you had mentioned, Travis, you go to Toys R Us in the morning. There's four or five guys waiting out front. Well, hey, I'd roll up to Toys R Us at nine o'clock in the morning and oh, there's the lineup exchange guys just waiting for the doors to open. But it was, it was just way too competitive, way too competitive. But, yeah, there were little stores that sold starting lineups. They had Hot Wheels and, like, bobbleheads and stuff in there, too. But it was a cool store. I wish they were still around. 
Do you remember when they were starting to change poses too? Like, for example, kickers got their own starting lineups. Being a Buffalo Bills fan, I'll throw it back. There was a guy named Steve Christie. I remember there was a pose where he was like, had his leg out ready to kick the football. I was like, this is the greatest thing ever. This is <laughs> wow, this, this is a pose. Yeah, screw Hasbro, WWF right. I want this kicker. Yeah. <laughs> well, you hit the nail on the head, Jeff. Like, it was a lottery. Every year you're like, all right, well, and that was the exciting part about this line and what brought everybody in. Like, oh, man, who are we getting this year? Are we going to get a rookie? Are we going to get somebody we didn't get last year? Yes. So you're yes. wondering, like, what players am I going to get? And then yep. you're like, oh, man, I mean, okay, Jose Canseco had a had a, a swinging pose last year. Is he going to get a better pose this yes. year? Yes, like, yes. Mm-hmm. And that's... Yeah. That that was the figure crack that brought you back every year because it's like I need yep. rookies. I need, you know, poor Buddy Bell on third base got replaced by Chris Sabo, so I was okay with that. But, like, <laughs> <laughs> um, but you did you you just got so excited of well who I know I'm not going to get a whole roster. How many are we going to get? Who's it going to be? And then when they started every year popping in one to two new poses, you're like uh huh oh, crap, I'm going to buy this figure because that's a brand-new pose. And I may not like the guy, but that's a cool-looking pose. And it yes. just, it, every year and every sport, and that's I think that's also another big thing about this toy line, is you never stopped because you didn't know what to expect. We didn't have the Internet. They obviously didn't show all 124 figures on the back of the card. You just got their name. So you didn't know. And you just got yeah. excited every year. And it, it just rolled over every year, every sport. Well, and, and to Kenner's credit, oh, go ahead, Jeff. Oh, sorry. Um, and like I was, gonna, I'll kind of pick back off what you were about to say, Scott, or start to say. Kenner was coming out with different things regarding their sports lines. So they were coming out with the stadium series. Yeah. Yes. Then they, they were coming out with uh, the twelve-inch guys. They were coming out with. Uh, they were they were kind of doing enough to keep you going along. They just weren't sticking with their main series. The there Legends was, multi-packs. Yes, the Legends multi Or they would put in two guys that were like uh, uh, that were just basically like random guys. Like, for example, in the hockey, there was Wayne Gretzky and Dominic Hasek, I think? Yeah, those were the freeze frames. Freeze frames. Freeze so they, frame. Yeah, like the dioramas. Like Kyle Rivers yes. tagging a sliding Aussie Smith yes. or something. Yes, yes. Yeah. I loved those. And you know what? They just kept doing enough to keep you going along on this ride. And that's what I loved about Kenner doing this, or Hasbro too, because Hasbro got the line eventually. They certainly tried to keep it fresh. And, you know, they definitely, like you said, Jeff, and you said, Travis, you kept the collectors on your toes because you didn't know what was coming next. So it wasn't that they just stopped trying, but I think they just kind of got phased out of the market because everything just became way too competitive for them. And then they started doing starting lineup two. Oh, that's right. I don't right. remember yes. these at all. Like, I remember you guys talked about it last week or the week before, but this is a complete blind spot for me. I don't know if it was just my age and I had just given up at this point, but these starting lineup twos are a complete blind spot to me. So I, I'm, I'm sitting under the learning tree right now. Well, for us, it was basically updated starting lineups that looked more poseable, right? But they were and a little bit larger, poseable. too. They were in a larger scale. That was the thing. They were fully posable. Um, you know, it, <laughs> but it was starting to go into what McFarlane was in a piggyback off of. And like Scott said, McFarlane got the line in two thousand. Well, 
he had the MLBPA license and then eventually yeah. got the MLB license. But this is what was kind of starting to spawn into, no pun intended, obviously, what McFarland was starting to go with, just at a yeah, bigger scale. You can compare those starting lineup twos to what McFarland did, even with his first baseball series. Yeah. It's just not even close. If you're a collector going in with 15 bucks in your pocket, and you can either get this starting lineup two or this incredible-looking Alex Rodriguez or Barry Bonds figure, yeah. you're walking out with McFarland's product, not Hasbro's. And it was kind of cool, too, because the pitchers had, like, a new pose, too. I remember, uh, was it Tommy Glavin? He had, like, a, a ball that was kind of, like, cocked up, like, ready to throw. And it was just, it was awesome looking. I love the starting lineup, too. It's very underrated. Well, compared to the regular starting lineup run, they were incredible. But right. compared to their contemporary competition at the Toy Isles, it, it wasn't even close. A little sidebar, actually, a lot of what McFarland started is still going today by uh, Dragon... Was it Dragon Gate? Not Dragon Gate. That's a wrestling promotion. <laughs> sorry, I went to a wrestling show last night. I'm sorry. Um, uh, Dragon, uh, Dragon Import. Yep. Yeah, it's almost in that same exact scale. I mean, it's, it, yeah. it's almost not changed in 20 years from what McFarland started in 2000. Yeah, I, uh, I, I just did a quick Google search, eBay search, and I see these. I'm like, these aren't half bad. Are okay. starting lineup twos? Yeah, the starting lineup too is like. Oh, I love them. They they look like like you were saying, guys, like little miniature McFarlands. They're definitely more detailed, and um, that's actually really cool. Um, I wanted to hit one other dark day because I know the other thing. These are coming back, but the last dark day, and I want to know if you guys felt the same way, was uh, this very very popular movie called Home Alone. Did anybody else cringe <laughs> when Kevin McAllister was shooting starting lineups down the laundry chute with, their B- with his BB gun? I wonder God why they yeah. chose starting lineups. Is there any reason there? Maybe because they, they stood up on their own a little bit better? Oh, maybe, but they were so popular at the time that anybody watching the movie kind of knew who they were because it was parents taking their kids. Sure. Kids knew who starting lineups were. The parents knew. Yeah. And even without the jersey numbers or anything on the front, you knew exactly who was being shot. It's like, how dare you shoot the Jordan with a BB gun? Right. Exactly. Yeah, 100%. Like, <laughs> I, that's the worst thing about that movie. I just remember, and then <laughs> had, like, I, I think it was Dave Winfield, and he had Dave Winfield holding his bat above his head. I'm like, Kevin, you do not do that. His bat touches the ground. It's not above his head. So Kevin's the real villain in the film. Top of the bandits. Goddamn, Steve from PPW, he texted me the other day when Scott and I were talking about this starting lineups coming back. And he texted me, he goes, starting lineups are overrated. I was, oh. all, that's, I was all, that's blasphemous. How dare, you say, how dare you say that to me? And he goes, I loved when Kevin McAllister shot them with the BB gun. <laughs> I was all, damn you. <laughs> Steve knows how to push your buttons, doesn't he? <laughs> he oh, he's, man. Good at, he's good at that. He's a good friend of mine. He knows how to do it. <laughs> you know, can I give Kenner one more little kudo here? They could have phoned it in with the football series, and they could have phoned it in by molding the helmets onto the head. So literally, they would have to sculpt eyes. Mm. Yes. They didn't do that. They made the helmet a separate accessory, so they still had to sculpt the face. Kudos to Kenner for that. And you've got another accessory in the package. Good call. I didn't even think of that. Yeah, they could have just phoned it in, but they didn't do that. 
Can I? Can it's I nice when my... you see a toy company kind of go the extra mile on something. Totally. I, yes. I, I think that adds a lot to like, wow, I really like these a lot more. Yeah. I, I would like to have my Jeff Toon confession moment of the podcast. Ooh, what is this? Instead of chewing on the fingers of LJNs, I <laughs> chewed on multiple football helmets. Uh, oh, no. I've got to say, I'm glad you didn't choke, dude. I'm really glad. Uh, you did. I would, like, I, all of my football ones from when I was a kid are all missing the helmets. And, but it was oh, just no. like, I don't know. They were that soft plastic, and you, like, couldn't have gum. Not, I mean, there's so my... I didn't chew LJN fingers, but I definitely <laughs> still tasted better than fruit stripe gum. I bet. <laughs> Absolutely, more flavor. Hey, speaking of uh, Home Alone, didn't Kevin McAllister give that to the tip to the bellboy the fruit stripe gum? <laughs> yes, he did. Wow, there's plenty yes, more. Yes, he where did. That came Good from. memory. Wow, way to tie it back. <laughs> I love it. So, so we, we we touched on this already. Starting lineups has announced that they are coming back. I don't know if we know any more information as to when we'll see prototypes of all the are they the same scale will be they be totally different what the price point's going to be so there's a lot of questions but um to throw it to you three guys is this something you plan to jump back into okay so it depends there's so much going into this so for example and i'll i'll jump in for the other three the hard part for me is hasbro's going over to the plasticless packaging a lot of those figures sold us. So even though they came out with 9,000 different backhanded poses, just a different guy, you know, Ozzy Smith and Cal Ripken are in the same poses, the figures sold us. Mm-hmm. So so that's going to be difficult. There's uh, Again, with the packaging, and this goes across the board for Hasbro, how do we even know that we're getting the guy that we want? So if they did a – I'll throw Cal Ripken out there again – how do we know that Cal Ripken is in that box and a figure swapper hasn't come in and uh, placed another figure in there? You know, exactly. There's so much that's going into this. Now, when we get to the time where those figures are on the pegs, uh, it's a nostalgia could kick in, man. It's a powerful drug. And the other thing is, go ahead. I'm sorry. The other thing is price point. Yeah. 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 So what's that price point going to be? Because Hasbro's already raised the price on Marvel legends. Like, I think like almost eight or nine bucks in two years. Yeah. You know, are they going to be doing that with the starting lineup too, or not starting lineup twos, but starting lineups. So there's so much that's going into this. Of course, when we get there and we see them on the pegs, it could be a whole different ball game. And I'm like, yeah, I'm grabbing this. So we'll see. Well, here's my thought. I, I don't think the Hasbro solid cardboard boxes will last because I don't think, this is going to be ideal for any collector. I don't know any collector that's like, this is brilliant. You know, I think by and yeah. large, everybody's kind of like, okay, if you're mint on card, you can't even see the figure you bought. If you're a loose right. collector, you don't know how it looks until you actually open it. So there's yep. a lot of stuff in there that I don't think that long-term that's going to work out for them, especially if they're going to continue to raise prices. Uh, another thing, I would almost 100% guarantee these are going to be more than $4. <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> uh, well done. I uh, I think it's going to be a game time decision. I really want to see, you know, I, I I hope they have very similar poses. Like, but then I just literally just popped in my head like, 
maybe we get all new poses and high like high detailed sculpts, but then kind of do what uh, Jazzwares has done and Jacks. Maybe throw one old school figure in there, like one one guy that's in that old original molding. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that would be cool. But like, I'm excited to see that. I might be able to get a Mike Trout starting lineup or a Shohei Otani yeah. uh, starting yep. lineup. And that just gets, like, my toy bumps, like, going. Because, like, starting lineup and Mike Trout, starting lineup and, and Shohei Otani, like, never in a million years did I think that would even be a possibility. But now it is. And then it's like, oh, man, I have waited so long for this, like, I know if I see a Mike Trout, regardless, I'm probably going to do it. Same thing with Otani, just because. Now, why collect all of them? No, but it is very, very cool to have that option with newer players now. Can you I also think it'd be neat? Oh, go ahead, Jeff. I'm sorry. Can I also throw out um, one little thing that we overlooked was there were stadium giveaways as of just two years ago, three years ago. Dude, I was just going to say that. Oh, okay. Sorry, dude. Yeah, they were no, just given, they were given out starting lineups. For example, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers gave out a uh, Jameis Winston uh, starting lineup. That San was a Jose giveaway. Sharks did Joe Pavelski. Exactly, and then the Oakland A's did Dave Stewart. So I I love how they even brought that back for stadium giveaways. Did it move the needle? Probably not. But you know what? It was hell of a giveaway for these <laughs> uh, for us nostalgia kids. You know. Well, I was right? going to say it'd be cool if they did that again start a partnership with the major leagues and do stadium giveaways. They still do bobbleheads today. So why not have a starting lineup giveaway day? I think that'd be incredible. Mm-hmm. No, I, I think that's I, a great idea. I went to a, my very first pro baseball game back in October and they gave us um, like Kansas city Royal hoodies. And uh, oh. just, they had two sizes. They had uh Large and medium, and just to be funny, I got medium because I thought, yeah. Well, <laughs> <laughs> Breakers wearing a medium. It's really yeah. a medium. He's got to show off his biceps. But you know, I'll be honest though. If they had done some type of a starting lineup, you know, first X number of people or whatever get in, get one of these. Like I would have been all over that. And I'm not even a collector of these, but I think that that's fun. You know, I actually do have a really, really cool uh, starting lineup giveaway day story for Jeff and I. In- oh, yeah. In 1989, they did a starting lineup giveaway at the Oakland Coliseum, and it was a random ace player. They had cases of players. It was primarily Maguire and Conseco, and I think like Walt Weiss. But it was just random on who you got. Every oh yeah, everybody Walt got Weiss. somebody different. <laughs> 88 rookie of the year. Um, Jeff and I, I forget who all we got. It was Mom and Jeff and I that went to the game. I forget who all we got, but one of the figures we got was Mark Maguire. And every time you went to a baseball game, you had to go down by the dugout to see if you could get an autograph. That's what all the kids did. So Jeff and I go down there, and I think he's holding the baseball and his starting lineup figure, and I'm holding my, my Mark McGuire starting lineup. Wouldn't you know it, McGuire comes along the dugout, starts signing autographs. You know, kids are rolling baseballs down the thing and sliding cards down to him. He's signing anything and everything. I slide my McGuire starting lineup down. He catches it. He signs it in black Sharpie, slides it back up to this day. In the garage, in a Ziploc bag, I have that 1989 Mark McGuire signed starting lineup. Amazing. Fun fact, fun fact, Scott goes, sign in paint pen, you jerk. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, If only I could go back in time. (laughs) That's amazing. 
Yeah, it was very cool. But what scale do you think these things are going to be in? Because we kind of touched on that, but that's kind of my biggest question. And I think Jeff, actually, when we talked about these a few weeks ago on Fully Posable, I think Jeff had a great idea on how they're going to run these. And it's very similar to what Mattel does with the basic and elite lines. You mean the highly articulated? Yes, yes. Oh, and then also do a run of retro style, like old school poses, like 89, 90, 88 poses? Well, you could even do like then and now two packs, right? With like your current day starting lineup and then, yeah, and then something that looks like a throwback to like 1990 or 1991. But you had mentioned, Jeff, like if they do almost like an ultimate edition, right? And it's got like a soft goods uniform, a bunch of accessories, maybe a different head. Um, I really like that idea, and I can see that, you know, from Hasbro, something like that probably being like 30 35 bucks. And I think the price point, that would be acceptable, but it cannot be in cardboard packaging. It has to have a clear window so you could see the figure. I said uh-huh. that? Yeah, you had said that oh. they would do something similar to what, like, the basic and the elite line from Mattel. I don't even remember what I said two minutes ago. You're crazy. <laughs> Well, I, I think uh, so you know, with with figures now, we have multiple hands. You know, you could do a head with a helmet. You could do a head with the hat. Yes. You could do, yep. um, you know, maybe an alternate face with like the uh, I don't know what they call it anymore, but like that black that goes under the eyes, sunglasses, yep. uh, one <laughs> yep. with the glove, one with batting gloves, one holding a bat. I mean, there's there's a lot that they could do is if if that's the route they wanted to go, but you know, it's interesting because when GI Joe Classified first came out, you know, the six inch scale wasn't really the most customary for G.I. Joe. Most of us remember the three and three quarter. And they also released three and three quarter, but those have not done as well as the six inch. It's the the standard of the day, right? That six inch scale. And it's really weird that even with G.I. Joe, hardcore collectors, who most of us grew up with the three and three quarter inch, we all prefer that six inch scale. And like you said, Breaker, perfectly that 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 three and three quarter nostalgia has just gone right out the window. We've all gravitated towards that six inch scale now. I also I also think with starting lineups, you know, they'll probably, especially with the current price point, they're going to have to limit how many they release. So I hope we don't get 124 in the first wave. <laughs> Highly doubtful. I don't know, man. How much I can you get for a kidney? <laughs> what, you know what's funny is if you look back at that 88 checklist and you look down, I'm going to use baseball as an example. They made so many players like that would not even be thought of made it today so for example for the giants they made jose uribe uh, nobody hardly on the east coast probably even remembers who jose uribe is obviously uh, here on the west coast we do but they would never even think about doing that today so a lot there's of those no way yeah a lot of those players that they made back in the day in that original run there's they wouldn't even be sniffed at here no this go. is going to be very superstar heavy when they come out with this new series oh otani's trouts like of course Acuna's. yeah 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 they want to move the line and that makes sense but i can i think it's safe to say it's going to be way better than what super seven is putting out and that's not a knock on super sevens baseball or sports figures at all but man you got to figure super sevens at an 18 dollar price point for a three and three quarter inch very basic looking figure man obviously hasbro's pricing is going to be a little bit better but even with a three and three quarter inch figure with Super Seven at eighteen, you got to put Hasbro at around what at least fourteen, fifteen dollars. So um, you got to think yeah. they're going to have to adjust that scale up, right? So now obviously you're talking about the six inch scale with starting lineups, and that's kind of what McFarland had with his line. So I'm kind of thinking it's going to be a six inch scale unless they do like a retro throwback series to look like the originals. I think these are going to be six inch scale. 
limited posability. I think it's going to be very similar to what we got from uh, from McFarlane in the 2000s. Do we get a card? I think you have to have a card. You have yeah, to. Yeah, I agree. You have breaker. to have a yeah. card. That was like that was part of it. You got a card and a figure. Now, now here's the charm. Yeah. Line. Here's an interesting thing. If they decide to go with a different scale, wouldn't it be cool if they introduced, you know, retired players? That never. Yes, I mean, I think yeah, oh, that would be hundred percent. That's like the classic superstars of this line, right? Like, there's something yes. super special about that. Now, to do that, I mean, is that like signing a player individually? I don't know exactly how that process would work in baseball, but I feel like classic players might sell better than current day people. I mean, am I wrong in thinking that? Not at all. No, I think you're absolutely right. And Mattel's definitely seeing that with the WWE line, Mm -hmm. that the older guys are selling better than the newer guys. Yeah, absolutely. I think if you're going to do pretty much any sports franchise in figures, you've got to have legends. Yes. Right? That that definitely – because you want to speak to the older crowd that's walking down the toy aisle. If they see like a current day player, eh, maybe, you know. But, Mm -hmm. oh, man, they have a Mickey Mantle? I'll buy that. Right. Right. Babe Ruth or something? Like, holy crap. Uh, Yes. Hundred percent. Yeah, you've got to have legends incorporated into this line for sure. And McFarland put out a ton of Babe Ruth figures to make sure we were well compensated on the Babe Ruth figures when he had oh, that sure. line. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. I, I could just see this coming out, and it, I think it's going to be in that six-inch scale. I really do. I think it's going to be very similar to what similar to what McFarland gave us. Well, we'll definitely be. It'll be fun to talk about that once once we kind of have some more information. When do you guys expect these to actually hit? Because right now, I think the only information we have is that it's happening, right? I mean, I assume – I think most of us kind of live and die by San Diego Comic-Con. And if, if it goes down normally this year, which you know I'm hoping so, maybe we'll have some more information at that time, maybe some renderings or prototypes or something. But – I'm definitely excited to see what they uh, what they come out with here. I think we're in that age now with action figures or collectibles in general, where what's old is new again. You know, and they're we're totally seeing, yeah. You know, GI Joe, Masters of the Universe, every, all this stuff kind of coming back to the surface and being fun again. Right. Yeah. Well, Hasbro released a kind of like a teaser a few, uh, I'd say about a month ago, actually. Yeah. And. On that teaser, it said nine twenty two twenty two. Now okay. I don't know if that I don't know if that means they're going to be on pegs nine twenty two twenty two, or if they're going to be showing pictures. It, it, like that'll be maybe the mass reveal. Yeah, it, it was so vague. All it said was September twenty second, twenty twenty two. But I think if there's pictures at Comic Con, it's safe to say that nine twenty two twenty two is going to be the release date for who knows football, right. baseball, basketball, hockey, because that's yeah. kind of the sweet spot when all those sports are going on. So, Well, and it's well, also and possible that the first wave covers all the sports, right? That's that what great. I was yeah. just going to bring up. Like, as like, do we think that, you know, granted the old style was a, a you know, sport per season. Yeah. And what if it's 20 figures, but five baseball, five football, five hockey, five uh, basketball? You know, basketball yeah like and we get all the sports at once well you know would that change your buying habits i think yeah a little bit harder on the wallet financially it would have to i mean yeah at a certain point like i think in a perfect world i would be buying everything i wanted but at the end of the day that's just not feasible right and so we have to kind of like i'll be honest when i see a aew line 
get announced and there's like two figures I want, I'm like, yes. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. it's, it's so much easier. That's manageable. On the, yeah, it's so much easier on the wallet. And, and I think totally. we've all been guilty of this where you go to a store, there's nothing you want, then you see something, you're like, hmm. That's kind of cool. And then it's like, oh, great. Now I've started collecting a whole other line. And you know, it's, just, it's, it's a slippery slope at times. Or, you know, if you start collecting something else, you kind of put something off to the wayside. So it definitely can happen. Um, I'm excited for it. I think it's really cool. I, I think with the exception of packaging, Hasbro's done very good on everything. So, right. And it's going to be tough, too, because, like, for – if they do – let's use Travis's formula, five baseball, five football, five hockey – I'm going to have to be very selective. So, like, hypothetically, if they came out with a Josh Allen football figure, I'm going to buy that. And then for hockey, if they came out with a Nate McKinnon from the Colorado Avalanche, I'm going to have to buy that. So then I'm kind of hoping that they don't come out with too many of my guys. Right. <laughs> yeah. Save money on the wallet, you know. <laughs> but I am, as Breaker said, this is kind of exciting because of the nostalgia in us. And Breaker... I haven't heard from you. Did you ever get any of these, or did you ever have any of these in your collection? No, I, I never had any starting lineups. Like I was saying before, I, my cousin had a few, and I think when he told me that they're not toys, because you know I was probably five or six when he told me that, I just was like, oh, okay. Like I kind of just went with what he told me and like, oh, they're not toys, can't play with them. So I never really, <laughs> I guess, had much, off my radar. Yeah, I had much interest, and you know, at the same time. There were so many action figure lines that I was interested in collecting. I mean, obviously anything wrestling or X-Men, Spider-Man, Batman, etc. So many that I loved. So I, I they never really fell into my radar at that time. And and then, of course, you know, I think at that point once they became so popular, I don't know if they quite got Beanie Baby popular, but they were very close. Probably wasn't something at that time I was going to be able to collect anyway. So. Um, I'm excited for this. This might be something I dive into as it as it comes back around. I think uh-huh. I think with anything else, you have to base it on how many are they making, what's the price point, you know, is the availability even going to be worth trying to collect? Because I know I've talked to several people who are like, I like GI Joe, but I can't collect it because it stresses me out because of trying yes. to <laughs> find stuff and pre order and scalp. I understand. Like, no, hey, I yep. get it, you know, and. Yep, and I've talked to people who are like, you know what? I don't. I'm not going to Target every day. So I'm like, yeah. So you want to build find stuff when you can find it, and I get that. So I think yeah. there's a lot of factors into what we collect. I, I think there's. I'm a. I'm big into customs right now, and I think the reason yep. is it's like I don't have to <laughs> go to Walmart every single day to try to hunt these down. I can buy them as I <laughs> as I need them, and so on. So I think. Our yeah. collecting habits will always change as time goes on. But like anything else, I'm excited to see what they pull off with this. And, you know, hopefully it'll be just as popular as it was back in the day. I hope so. I'd love to see it. Yeah, definitely. Um, well, as we kind of wrap things up, guys, go ahead and throw some plugs out there. Let people know where they can find all the stuff that you're doing. Well, everybody can always find our shirts at Pro Wrestling Tees or WhatAManeuver.net. You can follow us on Twitter, YouTube, Snapchat, and the Book of Faces at Fully Opposable, Instagram, Fully Opposable, WFP. Uh, you can go back and listen to any of our past podcasts on Podbean, of course, Stitcher, iTunes, iHeartRadio, and Spotify, and send us any audio questions or questions or anything else at all. Send it on over to FullyPosableWFP at gmail.com. I've read that enough. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, you just threw that off like no issues. Like, bam, right off the top of your head. I love it. <laughs> it's like turning on a switch. Yeah. 
I feel like Will Ferrell from old school. Huh, where'd that come from? <laughs> I blocked out. <laughs> yeah. PSA, Jeff Toon just blacked out that last 32 seconds. He doesn't know any of the words that came out of his mouth, but they were there. They were there. What the hell is in this purple haze? Holy shit. <laughs> Gotta love it. And then, of course, Scott, I know you guys are doing some awesome stuff over there at Drunk Wrestling History. Um, such a fun podcast and very different than than fully posable as well oh yeah night and day yeah don't don't bring your kids it's uh <laughs> it's one of those but yeah you give us a follow on twitter at wrestling underscore drunk we do shows weekly well mostly weekly um we're always talking just pay-per-views and different topics in wrestling while drinking and it's usually whiskey but it's a lot of fun uh, drunk Wrestling History, same place you find this podcast and Fully Posable. You can find Drunk Wrestling History. Uh, check it out. Twitter at Wrestling underscore Drunk. Awesome. Well, guys, this is always fun uh, having you guys kind of throwing your expertise into something else. And, uh, Scott, I would love to have you on a future G.I. Joe episode. I think that would be a lot of fun. <laughs> I'm totally on board with that. Yes, please. Absolutely. And, Jeff, I, I know if we ever cover Mask, you're the guy I'm definitely going to talk to. <laughs> has any Has anybody gone back and watched that cartoon, by the way? Oh, yeah, it's not good. It's not good <laughs> at all. The toys are fantastic. The toys are fantastic. The toys are what sold that cartoon. But For going sure. back and watching it, I'm like, oh, okay, I can only get it through about 15 minutes of this. I, I think with old school cartoons, it's a leave the memories alone situation. Yeah. That's a I mean? great call. That's a great way to put it. Yes. Like, oh, yeah. I, you know how many times True. I thought, like, I want to rewatch all the Ninja Turtles. And then I'm like, oh, God. You know, and it's not that it's bad. <laughs> it's just you're not in the same mindset you were. And so it's hard to, like, set through. So you kind of just want to. Remember the good stuff, you know, and, and try not yes. to relive it, I guess. It, with, it will kill your memories. With any of those old school cartoons, anything after, like, episode six, because if you remember back in the 80s, like, the first five episodes that took for the week were always, like, a pretty much like an extended movie and the essentially, like, not the trailer. What's the, like... What's it called, like, the very first episode of a TV show? Pilot. The pilot. 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 Yeah. So those first five episodes are always, like, connected in one long movie, and it's, like, the best animation that you're going to see because that's what they used to sold it or sell it. But then starting at episode six, you're like, oh, no, it fell off a cliff. Very, very <laughs> <laughs> I shouldn't have handed I, this off. <laughs> during, the pandemic, right. during the pandemic, I went back and watched G.I. Joe – Transformers, mm -hmm. Mask, I went DuckTales. I even watched DuckTales. I've got to say Transformers out of all of those is one that actually was like, okay, this isn't too bad. I actually enjoy watching this again. But man, like G.I. Joe's is like Star Wars, like all they keep missing with their guns and stuff like I'm like, it's this all is lasers, bad. right? It's not like bullets. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Everybody keeps missing. I was like, they all went to the same schools, the Star Wars stormtroopers and stuff like that, you know? Yeah, it's just it's one of those things, man. It's it's kind of hard to dive back into that because I know I was a big. I grew up on X Men and Spider Man, and when, uh -huh. when Disney Plus launched, they were both on there, and I'm like, awesome! I'm gonna go back and rewatch these, and I did, and I'm like, oh, <laughs> I kind of need to like do this in small doses, you know. So if you've learned anything, kids, from this episode, we love starting lineups and eighties. Leave, leave your leave your cartoons in the past because. You're not gonna, you're not gonna like them. <laughs> <laughs> Buy today's and stand up anymore. <laughs> and Mexican pizzas. 
And Mexican pizzas. Oh, <laughs> yes. Mountain Dew Baja Blast. <laughs> <laughs> well, oh, and add potatoes to your Mexican pizza. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. Okay. Maybe a month down the road. Uh, or, <laughs> or number 12 on day one. Right. Okay, yes, that's fair. That is fair. <laughs> is, that the, is that how many times you've visited the toilet? <laughs> I mean, if you, you consume Jeff. them too fast, you might get like six in before the first visit, depending on <laughs> like <laughs> consumption and how fast they cook them. You never know. <laughs> Great stuff. Well, guys, this has been a lot of fun. And like I said, I want to have you guys on future episodes, especially when we cover some of these uh, some of these lines that, you know, I think we haven't talked about in years. It's It's so cool to kind of hear everyone's memories and stories and all the cool stuff involved so definitely a fun time and we'll have to do it again down the road thanks Sounds for having us on breaker thanks guys all right we are back thank you to obviously to travis for joining me and to jeff and scott for uh, being a part of this episode uh, obviously kind of trying to configure four schedules is not the easiest thing in the world but we had a we had a lot of fun uh, t- touching on on starting lineups and everything that it was because obviously that's not a, a line we can go figure by figure because there's just so much to cover. Um, it would take, geez, it would take. You could do a starting lineups podcast and probably still not cover everything. So much there, but it, it was fun to do this kind of as a one off thing. I do have a bit of an announcement. Um, we are going to kind of put TV Toycast on hold for the future. Um, we have. I mentioned before busy schedules. Um, I think most people that listen, you're probably aware I have two other podcasts that I do. And Travis is a single father. If you don't know, he's probably talked about that a little bit. Um, We also, this is another thing people probably don't realize. We live in different time zones. And so even though it's just an hour, that does create a bit of a difficulty in trying to always get together and to record and with him, you know, having, you know, two kids most of the time, um, I do a swing shift at work. The fact that we were able to pull this off for like 58 or 59 weeks is pretty remarkable in of itself. It was just, it was, it's very hard. It's very difficult. And I think it's probably best to recharge the batteries on this. Um, so we, I do want to get to the Austin Powers episode. I do want to do that. And I know he wants to do that. We just got to figure out the next move. Um, but I would like to give a shout out to all of you guys, everyone that listens to TV Toycast, because this has been so much fun to do, and it's so cool to dive into toy lines that I that I kind of remember, and then doing a deep dive and learning more about it, or toy lines that I grew up with, and kind of got diving back into them and remembering more information about them and talking about them and seeing pictures, and then seeing all the uh, engagement we would get and, and talking with people. And being like, hey, check it out, you know, TV Toycast and talking with them and, you know, hearing the stories. Oh, yeah, I remember those. Man, I've never seen these before. Oh, that's really cool. I guess you guys would talk about this. That's been the most rewarding part of this. So I want to give a shout out to everyone who listens to the show, talks about the show, and uh, enjoys the show as much as we enjoy doing it. Um, of course, I want to shout out Travis as well because I know his schedule has been has been difficult at times. He has – a lot of people don't realize Travis stays up late to do this and while that sounds easy that's not easy um you know you probably heard him yawn on here a few times and that's because he's tired i mean it's it's a very difficult thing to to be like yeah i want to do this and it's easy to say hey i want to be a podcaster but if you're trying to put together the 
doing a show every week. It's not the easiest thing in the world. So in the future, will things change? It's possible. Maybe we do a little bit more of a laxed recording and we just produce episodes when we produce them. I don't know. I'm not sure. I've always kind of struck to or stuck to the uh, once a week format, right? Every Thursday. And I'm kind of learning, I feel like, with podcasting that maybe that's not the best way. We just do it when we do it. And um, we put out content as we can put it out, you know, to where it's good, but we're not. My dog decided to make a little cameo. Um, but we put it out as we can. So, anyway, we'll see what the future holds. We'll keep you updated. And uh, like I said, I can't thank you all enough for being a part of this show, for listening to this show, telling friends about this show, and uh, helping us make us feel like we're worthwhile, I guess. So, uh, on behalf of Travis, uh, I would like to thank you all for checking out the TV Toy Cast, and we will see you in the toy aisle. <laughs>